welcome to the Healthy Beast and welcome to Mind Coach and Master of Hypnosis, Finney Shawman. Is that right? Mind Coach and yeah, Master. Yeah, mastering, mastering a multitude, multiple, multitude of talents. And hypnosis is the one that always stands out, I think, because people have all their own ideas about it. And everyone's got these daft ideas of, you know, the stage hypnotist and stuff. So mind coach is the first thing you see. So is that what you mainly call yourself? Yeah, because uh, hypnosis is good for some things, not good for everything. If I cannot hypnotise someone, I won't. Because if you can get to someone to get to their own conclusions in a more organic way, then yes, I would rather do that. Because it's it's a far reaching better understanding of the cells then instead of implanting something that or implanting implanting something and taking away something i'd rather him go oh, yeah yeah i do do that it's um, much more uh, much more enjoyable for me and for the client i think so it's not the first thing you go to depends see the, the thing is i get this this question a lot richard is like there's no two clients are the same which is fantastic so it's always different so there's different strategies for different meanings and different tools for different people you know and do you still mainly work with fighters? Because that's what you're, I guess, best known for. That's right? the one thing that just it's it's a, it's a it's a good thing and not. It's a kind of a stigma. People think, oh, you only work with fighters. You only work with athletes. You won't be interested in me. No, I work with a multitude of people. I work with people, business people, athletes. Some not. Some you know, postmen, politicians, not politicians, plumbers. Three politicians like to hypnotise. You know, I work with everybody and everyone. So you know, to be just stuck with just fighters, I won't make any money. I won't have a career. Because well, when we, sp- <laughs> it's funny. I wrote, I wrote a few notes before before our podcast today and i've written chaos panic and fear down i don't know like it's not like a reflection on my life but i guess i wanted to talk to you about they sound like 1990 they sound like 1990s house music clubs don't they i know or or a terrible a terrible reflection of what was going on in my mind about 10 minutes ago but but my, my life is quite chaotic and i think other people probably have a lot of this. And I was, I was starting to say that, you know, the world since we spoke about a year ago has completely changed. And has it changed the nature of your work and the kind of problems you're dealing with all the, the messed up world of the last year? No, not really. It's not, it's not changed. It, it, the business has slowed down considerably because of what's going on. Yeah, it, it's just rubbish time to be alive, isn't it? I mean, it's just shit. You know, everyone can say, oh, well, there's positive Mm. There is somewhere, but until we're out of it, when we look back on it, I'd rather be looking at it at hindsight than foresight with it all, you know. For me particularly, not really, people's problems are still the same. This problem we're going through at the moment, no one's got any answers, true answers. So we're all in limbo, which is not a good place to be, especially mentally for anybody, really. But you're, I guess, most of your work, you're helping people deal with certain fragilities in their life, right? So they come to you. And they say, look, I've got this thing. I'm anxious about this thing. I have to stand up and talk in front of people. I have to do whatever it is, whatever I'm finding difficult in my life. They have a problem. They might not know specifically what it is, but they know the general area and they want your help as a mind coach and hypnotist to solve whatever it is. And there must, I mean, there must be more of that kind of problem, I would have thought at the moment. Because as you said, honestly, there isn't. There isn't. It's, my, my, it's just been the same across the board. It hasn't, it hasn't been any different to me, for me, in any way. I actually don't know why. I think because... We, we haven't got any answers. And you see, if I come onto you, you podcast and I went, oh, yeah, and everything's great and blah, blah, I'd be lying, wouldn't I? I mean, I, I'm a realist as well as a, a, a well as a well as a mind coach. And yes, anxiety can be changed and, and, and certain mind things for depression, etc. can be changed. However, there is still 
facts of things that are upsetting to everybody. And we're not going to, you know, we, we can make the best of it as we all are doing. However, it still exists. So I'm not going to come in here and say, yeah, everything's great. When it's not, it's it's a, not a, an enjoyable time for a lot of people. However, though, it won't last. I mean, that that's the certainty of it, is it won't last. And we have to adhere to certain rules, etc., and certain uh, restraints. But I just think that to come on and say it's changed, it hasn't. My work hasn't changed. People still get anxious. I still solve problems for people, phobias, etc. Generally, though, people have been all right. There's not been really anyone... Uh, gone overboard about worrying about the virus and stuff like that because I think we get so inf- much information from the media and that, that I think that people have got just as much information as you or I so no one's at the forefront of it all you know. I guess it kind of makes sense because after a while some big global problem going on you kind of have to get on with your own life and I yes, guess the things you're dealing with people have yeah. the same problems more or less yeah. as they did before I mean yeah I mean who is who hasn't been affected in some way shape or form luckily I haven't been affected physically I haven't known anyone that's been my sister's had COVID a few other people I don't know anyone personally that's died of it and, and you know you count yourself lucky you, you look at certain things that you can't have I had to pay for a, a hip replacement from for privately because I knew that NHS would, would be a long time coming before I got it replaced. And I, did I want to do that? Not really. But at the end of the day, I'm very fortunate to have that financial stability to be able to do that. Some people haven't. So you, you kind of have to look at counting your blessings as well. But I mean, people are losing businesses and stuff like that. My heart goes out to them. It's upsetting. But there's many upsetting things in the world that I could focus on uh, that I can't change. So I try and keep my own counsel keep what's going on in my four walls together and um uh, and help my people clients who who need me to the best capability i have so it's not an easy time for anybody and if anyone's suffering out there my heart goes out to them but you know we we, we will get through this together is it we've never experienced this so People say, no, they should be doing this, they should be doing that, and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, hindsight's fantastic. And at the end of the day, no one knew this was going to happen. No one knew this was going to be so quick spread, so uh, devastating, etc. No one knew. The good thing about it, which I, in my opinion, sorry to rant, sorry to ramble. No, I know you rant is, on, Vinny. Is, is the thing is, if there is something that's more devastating in disease form in the future, because let's face it, it probably happened again in some way, shape, or form, the people are more likely all the people in the future are more likely to be able to deal with it in a better way than just because no one knew what to do. You got, I don't like particularly like politicians and I'm not into politics in any way, shape or form, but you got to look at them and they go, they don't know. They didn't know. So it's all right. You're saying what they should be doing and everyone's screaming and shouting. I get that. And, and it's, yeah, I understand some points. However, if you don't know the way to, if you don't know the way to, I don't know, say you don't know the way to the airport, Say you haven't got a car or you don't know you don't know where you are and they say, right, just go to the airport, you don't know the way. Then it, then you're gonna be you're gonna be perplexed. They didn't know the way to, to deal with this, everyone's perplexed. But it, it's just we have got to we can complain about what we haven't got and what we can't have. Or we take stock of what we have got, look and look at what we can do instead of look at what we can't. And and, and that's what I try and do anyway. I've got respect for everybody who believes in different things whatever they believe, conspiracy theorists and all that sort of business, good, crack on with it. For me personally, I just I just get my head down, get on with it. If I have to wear a mask, I wear a mask, got to do what I'm told, simple as that. So in your work, you're, you're getting them to look at the things that they can control, I guess, and to try yeah. not to worry about things that none yeah. of us could control. And what, what would be the things that you have that work like yours has most success in 
controlling and helping because i remember you saying before there are some things that, should, that are really difficult you said cocaine abuse was one example you picked out as something that's that's is, that's difficult to deal with what's what's something that you that, that responds very well to the work you do with cocaine i'll just take as an example with cocaine people lie they lie to me and it's i'm you don't lie to me because i know i can tell a mile off they'll say oh well what i did was i had a see they try and sugarcoat it so they'd go oh we had a little slip up or, 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 you know, I made a mistake. No, you didn't. You stuck cocaine up your nose and got drunk and did whatever. Don't tell me. Don't don't lie to me. So it's like, if people want to take cocaine, I don't care. I, I said this to a client today. If people are not hurting each other, they're not doing anything underage, they're not hurting animals, if they want to take drugs, that's up to them. But if it's infecting other people's lives and causing people's problems, then you don't. Or... If it's causing you problems, you come to me and you say, I want help with it, then I'm going to give you the best help possible. And if it's tough love, I'll do that without a shadow of a doubt. But I mean, it, with cocaine, as an example, they it's a good time drug. It makes them feel better. So it's its difficult. It's difficult. They lie. And- so, yeah, so cocaine's a bad one. And what, what, are ones yeah. that, what, what are ones that work well? It's all on the individual. You see... You know, you're going to get individuals that are committed to change. And then it's my job's easy because I just facilitate the pathway. They walk it. I clap for them. I pick them up when they fall over and wait for them at the other end, if you will. Some people don't want to change. Some people don't. And that's all right. But, you know, if they're paying me, then I'm going to do my utmost to help them. If they're not willing to do that, I can see through that. I've been doing it that long that you just go, right. And that's why I'm selective with my clients. I don't take everybody on. I've said that to you before. I don't take everybody on because well, what's the point? In bad therapy travels fast. What, so is it people that you see that you think because they're not committed to change for whatever reason, you're not going to have success and it'll be... Yeah, exactly. Lose, so lose. What's, what's the point? What's the point? I'm not taking money off someone, you know, because I, I like, you know, everyone likes to get paid, but I like to get paid for doing a job with success. And if people are not willing to participate in that, just just think by paying me, I change them and they don't have to do anything. What was really interesting, and, and it's not everybody, so this is not a generalisation, but it's it's a big portion of what I've noticed, is people don't respect things that are free. They don't respect things that are free. <laughs> really strange. So if you do therapy for free or something like that, you won't really respect it. They won't get, you won't get much change out of them because they aren't willing to to commit and a part of it has to be a, a two-way door, if you will, a two-way system where someone's exchanging, you know, knowledge for knowledge or money for energy for energy, I believe. And people don't respect things for free. It's a weird concept, but it's very, very true. Not everybody. I'm sure you would. But I mean, there's just some people that don't. So somebody who, so, so like somebody who had been paid by their work to have drug yeah, exactly, you know, exactly that. To, exactly that. Begrudgingly exactly. accept it, and they're, but they yeah. don't, but they're just... Filling in the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. It's not often, it's not very often, but it, but I have seen it. It always perplexes me. Do you find certain aspects of it more rewarding than others? Is it certain parts of the job you really enjoy? Oh, that's any job, isn't it? You know? Well, your I'm, sure Daniel, I'm sure Daniel Craig likes drinking martini, isn't he? But he's shaking, not stirred, but he doesn't like running up hills and then say, do that again, do that again, do that again. So, so what's, the, what's the martini for you then? The martini for me is is people like yourself who who are willing to take on what you tell them and commit to change. 
and that is the martini of it all. Yeah, I learned a very important thing from you last time. It's what sounds silly to me now, but that was part of it. It was about being a sweaty fucker and, you know, like being having the cameras on and something and worried about sweating. And I wrote some piece afterwards for the Telegraph about I've gone a bit clickbaity, like Vinnie Shawman cured my sweating problem or something like that. And the, yeah. the, guy, the guys I do jiu-jitsu with were taking the piss out of me afterwards. They're saying, you're, you're not cured. Look at you. You're still a, you're still a sweaty mm. fucker. And I said, no, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't stop me being a sweaty person. He just stopped, yeah. stopped me caring about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, the, that was the main thing that you kind of, and I'd heard you talking this about someone else before. There's this thing people seem to be to worry about what be other people think about them. Well, it's the biggest. It's the, it's, it's the biggest. No, the thing is, mate. What it is is like it's mind reading. It's called. So people worry, think about what other people think. How do you do that? You're thinking about what other people think of you. How do you do that? It's impossible. It's an impossible. You can't mind read at all, regardless of trickery like Darren Brown or Dynamo, etc. You can't read people's minds. It's nonsense. You can read body language and you can make guesses and assumptions and, and educated guesses, but not really knowing what people are thinking. And people get caught up in the idea of what other people think about them. I mean, we all do. We all want to be liked. You know, we don't want to be hated. We all want to be liked and, and, and loved, et cetera. And I think that's within us all. But, I mean, you know, to, to go overboard, you'd have to run and ask everybody what they thought of you. And even when they say what they thought of you, how do you know they're telling the truth? You know what I mean? So it's a perpetual motion of craziness. Since we had that discussion, I've noticed it with so many people all the time. People are talking about uh, an experience they've been through and they, and, they, and they report what everybody was thinking about them at the time. And as you say, they're going far beyond what they could possibly know. Yeah. So yeah, they've done something that they found embarrassing and, they, and they'll, they'll come, they'll tell you everyone was thinking, everyone was thinking. And this may well be something that no one but them's noticed. Yeah, but public but... speaking especially. Public speaking especially. And they say, uh, they say oh, I'm terrified of public speaking. And I went, okay, they did a speech in front of, I don't know, the boss's CEO, whatever. Did you do it? Yes. How did it go? Well, I felt like it was stuttering. Did everyone else say you was? No. Right. It's this idea they have in the mind and they'll do, they'll do a little like, I don't know, miss a line or miss a word or whatever. I don't know. And then all of a sudden that's their focus. That's their focus. You know what I mean? So it's it, it happens a lot with with um, public speaking. You know, it's interesting. People say, oh, I'm terrified of flying. Well, I'm going to Spain next week and I want you to help me with I'm, I'm terrified of flying. You're not terrified of flying. You won't get on a plane. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm terrified. But you're not. Yeah, I'm all right when, when we're all, I'm all right when we're in the air. Well, how does that work? Because you should be terrified not even getting on the plane. We consider it. So people tend to accentuate their, um, their problem and, and tell you that it's this giant beast of a thing. And it's not really. Is this how, <laughs> is this how you talk to your paying clients? Yeah. Exactly like this, yeah. always. I'm going like, well, no. Yeah, because if I go, oh, right, well, I'm not a counsellor. <laughs> So I'm not going to sit there and with my hands on my lap and, you know, with uh, crystals everywhere, not knocking crystals, but crystals everywhere and, 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 you know, dream catchers and tell them, I just, well, how does it work? You have to be, you have to get them to go, well, how does that work then? And they go, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. And that's how you change people by going, well, no, because you wouldn't get on the plane. Cause once you start getting them thinking, well, actually you do get on the plane. Then you, then you, then you've got an in then, haven't you? You've got a doorway open. Because once, once they, they'll accept that um, they'll accept that truism, because it's a truism, yeah. they accept it and they go, oh, yeah, I won't get on the plane, wouldn't you? And I said, yeah, and now that you know you can get on a plane, with they're doing what we're going to do today, well, then all them old things will disappear. And they'll go, right, do you get what I mean? 
So it's about that's how you that's how you get an in with it, you know. I am empathetic, of course I am. I won't be able to do the job, but I can't. It's a bit like, say, someone falls into the sea and you're a lifeguard, right? And you go in a lifeguard and you go and save someone in the sea. What do you do? Do you pull them out or do you get in and push them out? Well, you're not going to fucking push them out, are you? So you have to stay out of their problem, understand it, pull them out of it. So that'll be in in the doorway. Once they go, well, you wouldn't get on a plane, would you? And you go, oh, yeah, I wouldn't. And you pull them through the door. Say, well, look at all the other possibility. Because you're getting into the model of the world, you see. So this this approach, a therapist listening uh, kind of sympathetically and quietly and listening to all your problems like they're real. I guess that has a place when you're just being sympathetic. But for you, that's not what you're... You're no, no, there's, no, no. There's no, a no. problem to it address. It depends on the problem, mate. If, if it's if it's a flying problem, if it's a look, it's called logical levels of therapies. So what you do is you you have to be one level above above the problem. So if they they're telling me, so I'll say, for instance, you'll go and I get to the airport and I'm shaking, and I go really shaking, what, like that. And and I go, and how do you speak? No, 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 I don't do that. You have to make fun of it. See how you're laughing. Now, when you start making fun of it, you're breaking up the model of the world because don't forget, they believe this is the most terrifying thing ever, right? So what you do is you unloosen it with humour. You know, we've got to know where to go and what, too far and, and, you know, and stuff like that, okay? So that, that's when you start getting into that model of the world and start making a little bit more fun of it. It makes it a little bit easier than being terrified of it. I'm not against counsellors or therapists or co- uh, psychologists, whoever, who sit there and listen and, and nod and, and all that sort of stuff for hours upon hours upon end. But I have had clients that have been in therapy for 12 years and been with me and had six sessions and not needed any more because I, I'm not dragging it out of you. I'm not greedy. I'm not going to go, oh, you, well, yeah, and that's it. And then oh, looking at my watch, okay, well, come next week and tell us about your granddad's dog. You know, so it's, no, but it's unfair. And I've seen that a lot. And a lot of people will go to therapy over and over and over again, and they're not getting anything from it. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm not saying the therapists are bad people. Some people might enjoy that. However, I have a, I have a way where I want to solve the problem with the client, so we get a, so we get a, a triumph over it. I'm all for winning. Sometimes you'll I'll take a few sessions to get to the problem that's actually the real problem. I I, I do things with humour, so I don't I don't sit there and go yeah. It's just I'm not I don't pretend that I'm gifted. I don't pretend that I've got talent for it or anything like that. It's everything that I've learned has been through hard work and, and commitment to the job. Not I've not got no special gifts. I just listen to what they say if it doesn't make sense. So, for instance, it's like old MacDonald had a farm, and on that farm he had a pig, and it went woof, woof, here, pigs don't bark. So you listen to what the client says, the information that they give you, and then you go back and say, well, that doesn't make sense. And then they have to wonder once they start wondering, that's a chance, that's a, an opening in their wall of anxiety or wall of whatever they have. And then there's a hole in that wall, like a brick removed, because that doesn't make sense. And they go, yeah, you're right. And then once you do that, conversationally, you can break things through. You say you talk, you talk about not having any special talents, but you've obviously, you said before that you um, also you can tell when people are lying. So you've obviously had to, you've got ways of breaking things down that perhaps Mm -hmm. the rest of us don't understand. So what is it you're looking for when someone's talking to you that might, you know, make you think this, this doesn't make, this doesn't ring true or this person's lying to me. Because they give everything away. Uh, They give everything away. People talking gives everything away. You know, their their unconscious beliefs, the language patterns, the way they move. 
the way they breathing will change. There's, there's, there's a lot to it. But I mean, look, I mean, cocaine people, not all of them, but cocaine people, the ones I've, I've worked with, not all of them, but some, they will lie because they want to, they want to just, but I, 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 I'm not stringent with them. The, 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 they're so nervous about doing it, they'll come and tell me, which is a lot of, lots, that's happened a lot of times. Is it they're saying, look, I understand everything you say, it all makes total sense. I want to move to this place and not do cocaine, but it's just really fun. You've got, it's so rife. Right, cocaine is so rife in young people's lives at the moment. It is so rife at the moment that it's, it's, like, it's like fish and chips, you know, beer and cocaine. They go together. People have a line, bits of keys, this, this. And I'm not going to say I don't live in the real world because I do. And I've seen it. Have I had it? Yes. Does it do anything for me? No, I've not had it for years and years. I was never really into it. I'm not going to lie and pretend that I walk on water and live on a cloud. However, if you're coming to stop it, I am going to do the most, my utmost to help you stop. If you're not going to help you stop, you're on your own, aren't you? Because I'm not going to stand there and try and stop you if you don't want to. So it's, it's um, because it's such a social thing, it's difficult. But when they start getting, taking it on their own and in the midweek and stuff like that, that becomes a problem. Do you ever do any of the, if someone doesn't want, you know, there's part of them that doesn't want to do something like stopping cocaine or whatever it is. Do you ever do you ever become part of that process where you move them towards it by look, making them look at what's important in their life? Or have they got to make that journey to you? They've got to come to you with commitment. Yeah, of course. Got, they've got to come to me with commitment. If there's no commitment to me, what's the point? Wouldn't work, would it? Because like people say, you can't hypnotise me. Oh, well, go, go, good. Don't want it anyway. Oh, you can't hypnotise me. Well, good. You can, and everyone says, do you, does that, do you hypnotise everyone that comes to you? Well, no. Does it hypnotise everyone that comes to me that I that wants hypnosis, that I've said they're going to do hypnosis? Yes. Because guess what? They've come to get hypnotised. It's not, you know, it's not rocket science. You know, and it's just like, it's just... Do people think you're going to trick them as soon as you, as they walk in? And it, It's got, a, I, I can do stage hypnosis. I, I know the material. I could do it. I could make a career out of it, probably, because of the way that I'm known for. Don't want to. People make dicks of themselves anyway when they're pissed. So why would I add to it? I don't want someone galloping on an invisible horse. What, what's funny about that? Get it. When you, say, when you say you know how to do stage hypnosis, that, that must yeah. mean you've tried it then. No, well, part of one of the courses where I had to do uh, hypnosis, there was one, what was I mine? I had to make every, uh, this woman say that everybody was called Ian. So everyone she spoke to, everyone she said, her name was Ian, my name was Ian, your name would be Ian, he's Ian. But I, I just didn't, I, I get, the, the, the it might be fun and people like it and, and it might be all right at, at Benidorm, but not for me. No, I've it's- done this job for, for, for a noble reason, and I believe is to help people in dark places to get through it. And that there's, there's nothing more superhero about anything other than that. It's, it's getting them to get where they want to get to and, and making sure that they know that they did it. You understand? It's not, it's not about making fools of people, making idiots of people. No, not for me. Are you having to do a lot like we are now over um over Zoom or? Yeah, I mean, I work for a, an, an e-commerce company called The Watchers. I work for two uh, really good guys called uh, Zach Foldman and Chase Hero, two guys that run an e-commerce group, and I work with their staff, and I work with the people that are involved in their courses, and I and I work with them often. I have a monthly call, and then they speak to me individually whenever they please. 
So uh, kind of like the bat phone, if you will. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, yeah, foreigners, of course, yeah, over Skype, I do FaceTime calls and stuff. I have got an office where you've been. That's just, I just opened that yesterday because of my hip replacement. I, was, I wasn't allowed to go and now I can climb stairs, etc. So now that's good. But yeah, I mean, face-to-face, Skype, Zoom, whatever. The- can you hypnotise people over Zoom? Yes. Just as, just as easy? Yes. Be careful, Richard. <laughs> Careful. I'm just careful not to say any of the stupid things people say at that point. Because no, look, yeah, as, as, yes, pre- yes. as, as previously discussed, you know, is he trying, is he trying to hypnotise me? You could never hypnotise me because you, you you mildly hypnotised me before in person yeah. rather than over Zoom. I, I don't, yeah, no, I think I don't know what you call the different levels, but I think uh, one of the ones where you you're fully aware what's going on, but you feel a little bit. People are fully aware what's going on. It's not this. This place where you don't know what's happened and you, you go to this dark place and you just... Re- I woke up and I was, I don't know, running around the, the, the kitchen dressed as a, a Spaniard, I don't know, whatever Spaniard. Oh, Spaniard. But, you, but you can, I mean, you can, you can do that stuff. That's, but that's, what for? No, I know, no, no, but like presumably, I, I thought, maybe I'm wrong, this is another ignorance of mine, because with the stage stuff, not making the comparison, but with the stage stuff, uh, you can make people forget the whole show and then run round trousers down, that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I thought that there would be types of hypnotherapy where you, you possibly wouldn't remember, but is that not the case? No. We cause amnesia with problems. So you cause amnesia with certain problems. So if you can make the person forget the strength of it. So, for instance, say you was worried about an old job some people still have hang-ups about old jobs for instance you can say and you know you you'll remember to forget and forget to remember all the old things we're thinking about that that old thing that you used to think about so you put it in the past you can really begin to remember and remember to forget and it's a natural thing to forget because when people forget things like your keys we forget all the time it's a natural thing so wouldn't it be different now if you was allowing yourself just to be aware of that forgetting to remember remember to forget that old thing that you used to think so you make it a bit so there what was it oh, i don't know anyway do you know what i mean so forget to remember remember you to like forget. that didn't you down and shit no. yeah 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 no i but midway through that i thought is he doing it to me now he's doing it to me now he is that remember no to... no it's but it's, it's yeah, just but that you forget know, to it's, remember it's, and remember to forget things a bit yeah that, that's you, a bit you, that's a bit low level hypnosis isn't it Vinny? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's language patterns, but you you got to rem- you've got to you've got to remember that you know if you can, it's not something you're not going to forget your grandma, you're not going to forget your, your 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 whatever these big thing emotional things in your life, but you, if you can re- if you can to remember to forget it, that's not important. These these things are not really. We're talking about problems here. We're not talking about people's names or you or you where you live or causing amnesia to a point what's going to cause anyone a problem. We're going to, we're trying to get them to forget the triggers as to why that was happening. Or, or the, you know, and, and then, and then what you do is when you, with hypnosis, you've got to be started now. When you hypnosis, you remove something, you have to put something in. So if you remove a problem, you don't leave a void, you have to put something in. A more positive reinforced behaviour. So if you remove, so if you remove a memory you're talking about? You're not really doing a memory. You're moving the, the you're moving you're removing the the emotion of them. You can't remove the memory, but you can remove the emotion about it. Okay, so the, the because the, that's what causes the problem. It's not right. the memory. 
because the because but our memories get with association, association with the problem. So, however, then they get the problem. So, what you do is you remove you remove the emotion of it. Do you know what I mean? I did a I did a good podcast a couple couple of podcasts ago with a lady called Hannah Studley, and she was talking about how if she she'd gone through a lot of trauma, physical assaults, and and her approach was talking about how you know the only thing the only thing that exists to hurt you now are your thoughts. Yeah. So so. You'll recreate it. What what people who are still suffering from past trauma are doing is that yeah. they're, they're recreating the trauma on a on a daily basis. So you're needing to find a way of <laughs> stopping yourself doing that, basically, and realizing yeah, and you, that you, you're looking at it from a different perspective. So, what if, say, for example, if you've watched Cobra Kai about the Karate Kid, yes, I have. Yeah. Now, you see, now you see it from Johnny's perspective. Daniel LaRusso's a bit of a prick. Yeah, when you but, look at it from his perspective, you say, hang on a minute, Johnny was just in the shower making a joint and then he got that shower. He nicked his girlfriend. Yeah. And for, any, for anyone who hadn't seen, yeah, you could you could relate that to any 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 show where there's a hero and a villain. You see it from the other other point of view. There's even some West End show about the wicked witch of the I forget which one. But yeah, so you yeah, see Yeah, yeah, that's that's my wife's that. seen it, yeah. Yeah, it's actually very, very good. <laughs> really. My wife took me very good. But but yeah, so sorry, we, we digress. So you, you, you encourage people to see something from another... If you see it from a different perspective, you go, yeah, I guess. Because, because the validity of it... So say you, you had a... You understood something as a child. You had some, understood something as a child. So something happened as a child, right? And you said, yeah, every, it was like that every day. Was it like that every day? Oh, okay, not every day. So immediately you're, you're, you're releasing something because it's like, well, I, well, no, it happened every day. Oh, it didn't happen every day. Okay. And yeah, but it always happened. Always? No, always? Well, no, no, not always. Sometimes. Oh, okay, sometimes. So then immediately you're breaking it down, you see, other than keeping it what it is. It happened every day. Oh, it did happen every day. You know, well, no, it, nothing happens every day, really. Sun comes up, but it changes time. Each it doesn't come up exactly at that same time every day, maybe a millisecond out or whatever, and it does change. So everything changes, everything moves on. So you just you just got to find out what it all depends on the client. You can have a soft approach with some clients because some things my clients have gone through uh, mind boggling. Okay, there was one particular cat. I'm not going to mention any names, but there was one particular thing that really struck home with me was um, a young lad and he come in and um, he was said that he'd been abused by his dad. His dad abused his sister and his mum. And he said to me, come in and he went, I don't feel like I'm a man. And I stood up. I said, come on, first thing I sentence, come on. And I stood up from my seat, my chair, and I said, listen, I have never known more of a man than you to walk in this room to stand and tell me about how you are here to change that. That's a man. So there's no more bigger man than you. And it, it really struck home with me that he, what he did and, and how he how he just threw it, his cards on the table. He didn't blame everything else. And, uh, you know, and that's one of the things what it, it moved me that, you know, he's more to it, of course, but it was just so powerful for him to, and then state he's not a man. And I went, out. Oh, you're more of a man than me coming in and saying that and just laying your cards on the table and, and, and facing the darkness that other people, some people sadly would seek solace in drink and drugs, etc. I was, I, I applauded that guy. Is it difficult? You talked before about not 
being in the water with them is it difficult when someone's come to you with a really intense problem like that and is it difficult not to get pulled in as a professional no because what use am i what use am i does it affect me of course some does yeah of course but do, do i no because i'm not useless i'm absolutely useless be a fireman wouldn't i a fireman and then they're going screaming fire fire and you get into the fire with them and shout out the window with them fire you're right right no if, if I, I have to stay emotionally detached because I have to see avenues as to where I can go or they can go that will give them the best results. So if I go with them down this, this there is some things very sad. Of course there are and, and moving stories, but it, it's the nature of the job. If I get involved in it, I become what? I don't become a help. I don't, I, I have to look at it from a different perspective. I have to look at it from a higher level, not in the problem. I have to understand what it's like to be in the problem, but I have to look at it from a different perspective. So your tone will change according to the problem, but your your level of detachment is always... My commitment to the client will never change. Never. But my, but my, I, I won't get emotionally involved in it. I can't because, because it's too hard. It's too hard. Are there things that for you as a professional are easy to apply to other people but are difficult to apply in your own life oh, yeah of course yeah of course i mean you know it, it, it's like yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean look the one thing i never never say is i don't walk on water i don't live in a cloud i don't meditate every morning i don't still get pissed off i still get annoyed i still get tired i still have moments of madness not madness any violent terms but you know thinking strange shit we're just normal we're still normal but we uh, i just have a job where i'm able to figure out problems i'm a mechanic of, of the mind sometimes sometimes you, you know you know just mechanics it's just like well that's needs a spark plug cleaning or filter needs sorting out whatever you know it's, it's just the way it is it's just a job if it's your own mind, it's it's tougher. You're saying. Well, then it's not so necessarily tougher. It, it, who's not going to get affected by a problem that affects you? I guess because you. <laughs> I goes back to your metaphor of being in the water. You you are necessarily in there when it's when it's you, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, so okay. I had my hip replacement done. I'm not going to lie. I was terrified. I've never had an operation in my life. I don't like hospitals. Don't like needles. Not that I shake when I have a needle. I have a needle that doesn't bother me. But I mean, I don't want one. Who does? I didn't want a hip replacement, right? But when I, I had it done, I was uh, I was worried. I thought, what if I die in Leeds? All the normal things people think. Oh, you don't want to die. Yeah, it could happen, right? You're not going to lie. So anyway, it was all right. Cut long story short. But I was really, really ill the week after being sick, I had these weird hiccup things that stopped me breathing. It was horrible. I had a massive attack of gout. I was sweating. I was vomiting. It was, it, I felt like shit for a week. But what kept me going was two things. Now, I'm not going to die anyway. But what kept me in my mind was two things. Number one, I have a very close friend of mine who works with me in my office called Karen. And she, she's had breast cancer since February. And she's been bombarded with treatment because of the vet. it was stage 3B, which is nearly stage four, which is, you're not going to beat it, right? Well, I'm sure you can, but anyway, that's what the doctors said. Kept her in mind, but what else I kept in mind was, when I was in America, I was coming back from Joe Rogan's show. Uh, <laughs> and I just, how many times have I been on it now? I should have, I was supposed to be part, I've completely, supposed to be part of your intro. <laughs> no, no. Star of Joe Rogan, Vinnie Shawman. 
I can't help it if I if I've appeared on Joe Rogan four times. <laughs> right, so, okay. Well, yeah. Carry on so, with the story. So, you dropped that. You dropped Joe so, Rogan there. So I thought yeah, just dropped Joe in. And then when I was at a bar, there was a guy and he had an arm missing, he had a leg missing, and he I heard he thought speaking. He was Australian. He said, "Oh, can I have a pint of Guinness." And as he was getting it, I heard him say he was a Marine. So I said, "I'll get that." I said, I'll get your pint. He says, at the end of the day, mate, you've obviously been through some stuff and I appreciate you, you know, fighting for the free world and all that sort of business, you know, giving him respect. Turns out that his name is Paul de Gelder and he got his arm and his leg bit off by a shark. So he was savaged by these sharks in, in I think it was in Sydney Harbour when he was doing some training for the his Marines. And his whole story was horrific. Now, I've seen a picture of him on Instagram surfing. And I'm being sick and I'm like, got gout and I felt like shit. But you know what? I kept thinking, what would, how did he? I mean, I've had a pit replacement. So I've been bit by a shark. The scar looks like it, you know? And I was thinking, what did he go through, man? What made him survive? What kept him going? What, what's in us? I'm wondering about that. I'm wondering about how Karen was going through. And another friend of mine who's got cancer, it just kind of, it takes you somewhere else because you think there is, to, to be able to survive, that horrific attack and still want to live, there must be some high level of resolve within us that we don't tap into. And I just thought about that and yeah, it got me through it really. Not that I weren't going to get through it, but it made me feel better about getting better. That makes sense. I think it's a very, I think it's a very good thought process to apply to any problem you're facing in your life, whether it's a physical problem or, you know, the problems we all had over lockdown because it's just a, always think of people who are worse off because you know yeah oh I, I can't get exactly the food i want on the day i want is not a big problem not having food is you know and- yeah i mean i mean look what look what karen goes through she's got two kids a husband lost it lost her husband lost his job she was the most kind character you'll meet i wouldn't work with anyone else that wasn't because i wouldn't she's to the only person that i will let in my business and i will teach her everything you know, because I trust her. I mean, I don't trust other people, but I trust her the most. She was, and then she gets that. She, it, it, she's had chemotherapy and she's had all this stuff and she got two kids and, and all that and, and she had lost all her hair and all that sort of stuff. Right, I've had a hip replacement. Right, you know what I mean? You know, I lost a lot of money because of my job being, but at the end of the day, I've got, still got my kids. I'm still breathing. I'm still alive. I'm lucky to have a hip replacement. There's loads of stuff. So you just, you find, once you find a positive, you can kind of like magnetize shit to it. It's just, it's just, the way. but then again, you can do it with the opposite with negative sides. But yeah, I mean, I, there's, there's a lot of people that I, I admire, that I respect, that I, I love and care for that lift me. So I'm lucky to, to have that mindset. And that, that's what I did, you know? I did feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to lie. Nobody knew yeah, so I was didn't, wasn't, wasn't, I was just lying there, front vomiting and stuff like that. And people were messaging me and clients saying, oh, when are, you, when are you back at work? I'm like, I'm throwing up blood. And they'll go, all oh, right, can we speak Wednesday then? And you're like, but I mean, Paul de Gelder and people like that, you look up to and you think, you know what? Yeah, I guess you have to accept a certain level of suffering with something like that. But beyond that, yeah, exactly. Look at people who are worse off than you. If people want to find out more about your work, it's finnyshawman.com. Is that right? Yeah, uh, finnyshawman.com. We're also doing um, uh, there's a, there's a mind coach, the mindcoachingacademy.com, where people can become mind coaches if they want a career in something different, where they want to learn conversational hypnosis and they want to learn to be hypnotherapists. And that we are, there is there is now a certification. Mindcoachingacademy.com. Yeah, the mindcoachingacademy.com. Yeah, and that's going to be running in, in uh, November. Excellent. Good work, sir. Well, been brilliant. Um, Thank you so much. And we'll, I'd love to talk to you again. 
And all the best and everything. I hope your hips feeling better. It may. It's, it's feeling wondrous. And that's a very that's a very good positive note yeah. to end on. So, Vinny Shawman, thank you very much. All the best, mate. No problem. Cheers. Great to see you. Bye. Speak Bye. soon. Thanks again to Mind Coach and Master of Hypnosis, Vinnie Shawman. Find out more at vinnieshawman.com or, or the mindcoachingacademy.com. Healthy Beast is at Healthy Beast Podcast. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.